listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Justine Hanna, here with my fellow librarian and bibliophile Natalie Mason, and we are coming to you from Melbourne Library Service. Hi, Justine. Hi, Natalie. How are you doing? Well. Oh, that's good to hear. How are you? I'm very well. Excellent. As always. Excellent. <laughs> Today, our episode is called Read Like a Girl. Woohoo! We were inspired by a book that we both loved called Fight Like a Girl by Clementine Ford, a modern feminist manifesto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to celebrate all things women, books written by women and about women, we thought we would dedicate this episode to Clementine's book and switch it up a little bit. Call it Read Like a Girl. Absolutely. So we've got a couple of books that we think if you liked Fight Like a Girl, you would love to read these as well. But before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you've been reading. So please do tweet us at Library. That's at M-E-L-B-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader. And you can download Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. And all the books we mention will be listed in our show notes on our Goodreads page. You can find that on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au on the Read page. Alrighty, without further ado... What is your first book for us today? I do love that word. I do. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it was kind of a no-brainer. We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Um, this is uh, based on a TEDx talk this wonderful writer gave in 2012. We Should All Be Feminists is a, it's a very short adaptation of this talk on the subject of gender equality. It's only 52 pages long and it's a very easy to read book, but it's also a book that's quietly persuasive. I loved it. Adichie talks of her own experience of sexism growing up in Nigeria and how it has affected her life, why we still need feminism and why each and every person should be a feminist, man or woman. Adichie's own experiences illustrate this point. She highlights a few key stories, such as uh, her memory of the time she scored top marks in a class test, an achievement which was normally rewarded the position of class monitor, except that on this occasion the job was given to the pupil who had managed the second highest mark, a boy. She said, I've never forgotten that incident. If we do something over and over again, it becomes normal. If we see the same thing over and over again, it becomes normal. If only boys are made class monitor, then at some point we all think, even if unconsciously, that the class monitor has to be a boy. If we keep seeing only men as heads of corporations, it starts to seem natural that only men should be heads of corporations. Too often, I feel, the gender debate is framed by antagonism, but Adichie writes with compassion for all humanity. She's eloquent and persuasive in her arguments, but there's no pressure on the reader to agree with her. She simply emphasises the fact that feminism is about equality between both sexes, a point which often gets overlooked in our society and our commentary on feminists and feminism. I like the way she's inclusive of men here. She wants to help everyone be happier, lead better lives, and her comments about men are not against men, but against a society which brings boys up in a very narrowly defined way. She suggests that change must happen if we are to move towards equality. It is a tiny, insightful book. It's beautifully written with clearly articulated, succinct arguments for feminism. Every single person everywhere should read this one. We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I think that that book is relevant for a lot of different age groups. Absolutely. I don't know that that it's for adults only. I think it's a great book for teenagers mm, well, and young adults. She speaks about her experiences both as an adult woman but also as a, a young woman growing up in Nigeria and I think that's incredibly relevant, yeah 
yes, as you say, to all ages. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like the the compassion she has for all of humanity and that really comes through. And it's so tiny. You could read it on a lunch break. You could read it on a, a train, you know, commute. It is, there's no excuse really. <laughs> no, and she's got... She's such an eloquent speaker that TEDx talk is quite remarkable. Mm. She's so confident and comfortable yes. giving this speech. But then the written version of it is like a whole new revelation. She's mm. such an excellent writer. Her books are wonderful, but she's, yeah, I, very talented. <laughs> very talented. And yet I just like the fact that when I read it, I was like, oh, that, that's words that I can use when people challenge me about feminism, when people ask me for my reasons. I can actually use her words because they made a lot of sense and they were simple and clearly articulated and I think that sometimes is what's missing mm. in a lot of arguments around feminism and for feminism. Just in a lot of arguments well, in general. <laughs> there's not a lot of sensible things being said. True, very, very true. So, Natalie, mm-hmm. what is your first Read Like a Girl pick today? I read a book by a Brisbane author. The book's called Ghost Wife, A Memoir of Love and Defiance and the author is Michelle Disanovsky. It's Michelle's first novel. As I said, she's from Brisbane. This was written in 2013. She's also a poet and writes poetry collections. Her first poetry collection was called Electricity for Beginners, Mm. which I love the title of. Mm, That's great. Um, So a bit about Ghost Wife. Michelle is in love with Heather and Heather is in love with Michelle. Michelle is Australian and Heather is American. Neither Australia nor America recognise same-sex marriage, so they go to Canada to get married. Essentially, that's the book. It's a memoir, true story. Um, Soon after their marriage ceremony in Toronto, Michelle and Heather drive south to Niagara Falls, which is one of my most favourite places on earth, so I just loved reading Michelle's descriptions of that place. And in this one really affecting passage, Michelle talks about looking at her wedding ring, which is always a new thing to marvel at. It represents so much. It reminds you of the difference, that you know, the change that you've made in your life after getting married. But as she and Heather travel across the border down from Niagara Falls to the United States, she looks at her wedding ring and wonders if the bond that she just established with Heather now suddenly dissolves because she's in a place that doesn't recognise her marriage. And if when she's in America, is she still married? Can she think of herself as married because she's in a place that doesn't recognise that union? And I just found that passage so moving and so powerful and also really beautifully written. It stayed with me and mm. makes me angry and and um, uh, but also privileged to have... To have sh- for her to have shared that with me, or with with us as readers, it's a really personal thing to talk about. Um, the romance between Heather and Michelle is so beautifully written, as is the gentle building of family trees as the book progresses and we meet more and more people from their immediate and then extended families as they have different wedding ceremonies in the United States, um, in Australia, and also at their ceremony in Canada. So I love the genealogy. I love the <laughs> research. It appealed to the librarian inside <laughs> of me. <laughs> There's also mentions of lots of Australian libraries and archives that Michelle used to dig up all of this genealogy. But also um, she researched for the book some stories of real ghost wives over the years, women who were in long-term relationships or married to each other, where there were essentially ghostly versions of wives because, you know, their union, their marriage was not recognised. That interspersion of research and real stories among Michelle's personal memoir is just really well done. It's beautifully written. I love books about love and I also love books where love faces challenges and overcomes. I love books with sadness in there and I love books about families. And this book has 
every last bit of it. It just ticked all of my boxes. I really loved reading it. And it was nice being a local part as well, that it's half set in Australia as well as overseas too. So the book, Ghost Wife, A Memoir of Love and Defiance by Michelle Disinoski. Wonderful. I love that title of Love and Defiance because sometimes to love is to be defiant, isn't it? Absolutely. Does it have to be? Like I think it have to be. I think the defiance comes with having to justify why you love someone. Mm -hmm. Why should anyone have to do that? That's not what love is. No, exactly. No. Before we get to our second um, read like a girl pick, perhaps you could tell me what you've been reading recently or what you're reading now. Absolutely. Uh, I literally just finished an amazing novella. It's called Welcome to Orphan Corp by Marley Jane Ward. That's Marley with two E's on the end. Hmm. Um, it's the winner of the 2015 Seizure Viva la Novella Prize um, and it's a sharp-edged, semi-futuristic riff uh, about a rebellious teenager's last week at an industrial orphanage this one left me wanting more it ends on well, I guess it's not technically a cliffhanger but it is it is it really is and I just think it would make a fabulous tv series it's got that dystopian you know thing YA thing happening um but it's absolutely just powerful it's it's small it's a novella but it packs a real punch and uh, we really um follow along the main character as as she lives out this last week and uh, is really not sure what's going to happen. And along with all the brutality and all the things that are going on, being in an orphanage that is run by a corporation, which you can just imagine, you know, <laughs> isn't a very uh, friendly environment. Um, there's also the mystery that is happening at the same time, which is that orphans are disappearing and then like they aren't even in the system anymore. No one hears from them again. Family members have no idea. So, Yeah, there's so much happening. I hope there's more to come. I really, really, really do. And, yeah, I loved it. That was Welcome to Orphan Corp by Marley Jane Ward. Hmm. Yes. And yourself, what are you reading now then? Well, I was trying to finish this book for this episode to review it, but I haven't quite made it. Um, so I'm reading How to Be a Woman by Caitlin Moran. So mm. it kind of fits the Read Like a Girl brief. Um, I loved was, that one. You did? Yeah. Okay. It was written in 2011. It's a memoir. And to me, it reads like comedy sketches and reflections on her own life and lots of embarrassing stories, which always makes it a bit of an engaging read. Um, it's a memoir about Caitlin Moran. There's lots of reflecting on her childhood, her adolescence, and it's written in a wry, observational and often hilarious way. I do find myself laughing. Mm-hmm. But I do find myself cringing in a couple of parts too. I'm not quite sure how to interpret what she's saying sometimes. I'm thinking, is that how I feel about th- <laughs> I'm not sure that's how I feel. But I like, I mean, that's a positive thing about reading, especially nonfiction, is that you really get to question when you're reading fiction, you go along and, you know, orphans are disappearing and there's a bit of magic <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's fine. In this world, that makes sense. So when you're reading nonfiction, you're like, actually, that's not how the world works or it's not how the world should work. And so I started reading this book thinking I would agree with everything in it. Caitlin and I are pretty much the same age. So her references to pop culture, music, you know, famous stars matches, my, you know, the era that I grew up in. So for the most part, we're, you know, on track with each other growing up and experiencing the same things at the same time. But I'm, I am only halfway through it. I am keeping my mind open. I am going to finish it and I'm mostly enjoying it. But as I said, I'm not quite sure it's what I expected. 
It's certainly not the feminist manifesto that I was expecting it to be. It really is a memoir. Yes. Did no, you find that yeah, too? Yeah, it's much more of a memoir. I, I liked it. I think I agree with you in a lot of ways that I sort of went, well, that wasn't my experience. That's not how I would have reacted. That's not how I feel about that. But that's okay because she's not me and she grew up in a, you know, a different space to me, a different place, a different time, a different, you know, era almost, but not quite. But, um, you know, it's uh, – I liked a lot of what she wrote and I, I remember just um, – kind of yeah cringing but cringing in a way because I was like oh my god she said that and knowing that that might have been something I thought but would never say or um or it was exactly what I did and I'm like head in my hands going oh god how could how could she actually say that how could she put that in writing um and I, I kind of loved it that there was someone out there that was brave enough to to put these things these these words out there and and uh and yeah I really liked that that someone else has, has documented their journey as a woman um mm. and and I did appreciate it for that and I thought it was quite funny as well. Yeah, she does pull in another a lot of other feminist authors and talks about how her interpretations of those texts and at what age she read them and what she made of them. So there is some there is some context and you know, you are learning a bit as mm. you read it, but not as much as I thought. Like the Tara Moss non-fiction books. The fictional woman. The fictional woman and also speak out. Mm. That, you know, her they're well researched. There's a bit of memoir in there because you I think sometimes when you write nonfiction like that about the experience of being a woman, um, you can't help but say, and I have experienced this too, or my experience of this has been like this and therefore this is how we must act or this is what we should do to go forward. Clementine Ford does that in her book, Fight Like a Girl. So I think that I was expecting that of Caitlin Moran and didn't get it. Yes, indeed. The joy of reading. I must say Tara Moss's The Fictional Woman uh, was, I think, the first one of the first audiobooks I thoroughly enjoyed. Her voice is gorgeous yes soft and velvety and luscious and um and her commentary on society and culture is just insightful and searing and i loved that so that's definitely another recommendation uh from me and the audiobook particularly just in her own voice yeah. is wonderful and i i listened to the audiobook as well and i found that her voice changed as she got to parts where she felt quite passionate or quite mm. sad or quite reflective or quite angry and i loved that because it's her book that she's reading and she knows where all the inflections are and she knows all of her research and all of the um you know, all of the, the time and energy put into, I mean, the whole point about that book is that she was made to take a lie detector test because people couldn't believe that a model could write a, a fiction book. It must have been ghostwritten or it must have, she must have had some kind of help. So the idea that she's a fictional woman because she's not a real writer and to go from a model to a writer is not an acceptable change in society they couldn't believe that she could possibly write a book which is just like oh such a <laughs> face palm moment um so there are parts of that book where she feels quite incensed mm -hmm. at, at what she's experienced and so when she reads it all of that passion and anger and yeah and then when she's speaking about becoming a mother Yep. Um, I thought that was incredibly powerful as well. And, you know, it's not something that's necessarily for everybody, but the way she speaks about it is is not that it's prescriptive either. It is just this is uh, what I went through and what I chose to do with my life and my body, and um, there you have it. And, yeah, I just thought that it was It's actually I didn't plan on reviewing that one today, but uh, it's an absolutely fabulous read it as really well. It really is. Yeah. It made me go and listen to I also did the audio book of her first fiction novel that, oh, that the whole, con you know, that started this whole controversy. Mm. And, again, she reads it and so it's great and it's sort of like a I guess it's a murder mystery set in Sydney without mm. giving too much away and so you kind of jump into and it's a series it's the start of yeah. a series we meet the uh, character McKady Vanderwall I think her name was and so Tara just has this 
real knack for creating characters who are sassy and, you know, unrelenting and utterly relatable. Yeah. Well, many things, many, many accidental reviews. Do you have a real one? Speaking of characters that are utterly uh, mesmerising. Beautiful segue. (laughs) I love it. Uh, My next read-alike is a fiction book and it's called The Power by Naomi Alderman. That's A-L-D-E-R-M-A-N. In The Power, the world is a recognisable place. There's a rich kid who likes around the family pool, a foster girl whose religious parents hide their true abusive nature, a local American politician, a tough London girl from a tricky family. But something vital has changed, causing their lives to converge with devastating effect. The day of the girls has dawned, and it starts with teenage girls. At 14 or 15, girls are coming alive to the thrill of pure power, the ability to hurt or even kill by releasing electrical jolts from their hands and bodies. They also have the ability to wake this power in older women, sparking a complete upheaval of society as we know it, as women begin to exercise their newfound power and traditional gender roles are thrown into chaos. There's an interesting construct here where Alderman opens and closes the book with letters between two authors set about 5,000 years into the future one male and one female author, discussing the male author's historical fiction manuscript. We then plunge into this manuscript. I will admit I didn't pay much attention to this opening gambit, and then when you reach the end of the book, it kind of all becomes clear and actually is one of the most impressive and subversive aspects to this novel. So pay attention, folks. (laughs) And before I talk any more about this book, I should say that there are scenes which could be triggers for anybody who has experienced abuse. This book is unflinching in its portrayal of excesses of power, whether it is casual sexism, abuse or total depravity. Some scenes are really hard to read, but I do believe it's a worthwhile book. For the majority of the book, we follow four main characters. Allie, the abused American foster kid who reinvents herself as a faith leader, Mother Eve, and is seeking to build a community away from men. She joins forces with Roxy, the daughter of a London crime boss who revels in her new, incredibly strong abilities. Tunde is a Nigerian journalist reporting on the seismic global change and discovering what it's like to be an attractive young man coming of age in a woman's world. And then Margot, an American politician on the rise, comes to see that power resides with strength rather than authority, and as a middle-aged woman, suddenly she has this strength and therefore the power. The novel is a big, brash, page-turning, drug-running, globe-trotting thriller, but it is also thought-provoking, combining efficient, almost reporter-like prose with beautiful meditations on power, possibility and change. It also feels incredibly relevant. It was published in October 2016, but really speaks to a lot of recent world events in a way which makes you wonder if Naomi Alderman could see into the future at all. There are some things that I wish she'd done a bit differently. Um, For instance, race is not really considered, nor is a more fluid gender outlook in terms of how this power would um, be influenced by pre-existing tensions. Um, However, there is so much to love about this book. I couldn't put it down. It felt like the power was in the book electrifying me and chilling me with its possibilities. Alderman's really talking about gender as a power construct here and what happens when human beings without power suddenly gain a lot of it. I'll leave that to you listeners to read the book and find out. That was The Power by Naomi Alderman. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Just trying to do an evil laugh. It didn't come out right. Oh, no, no, not evil. No, but I love it. <laughs> like a bit of evil laughter. Well, I think, uh, yeah, this book is it's pretty powerful yeah. and um, it could have failed utterly, actually. It's a really big concept and a really amazing um 
just idea that Naomi Alderman has really tried to follow through and there's so many ways it could have panned out and I think she did a really great job of holding it together and keeping it relatively tight-knit. The second half for me is a bit more fast-paced and a bit uh, more of that page-turner type than the first half, uh, but I loved it all. I loved the characters. Uh, some of them I could relate to more than others, but I absolutely loved them all and I really liked how everything is flipped, but it is really confronting. A lot of the scenes are, I mean, there's uh, rape culture is investigated and then flipped and that's interesting. Um, anything to do with power, really, and, mm. and gender literally is about power. You know, our, our, the it gender constructs is. of the world is about power and yes. she really focuses in on that. I mean, if it wasn't clear in the title, it's very clear by the end of the book and one of the things that really I adored was in that um, that that book ending of these uh, 5,000 years into the future uh, letters being written between these two authors and um, and the the woman author uh, in a very condescending tone writes uh, to the man have you thought about publishing under a, a woman's name and it's just stunning and it really ties everything together and it's just um yeah I absolutely loved it if you couldn't tell. <laughs> I, I have a feeling I'm going to love it as oh, well. Oh, good, good, good. Now, well, what's your uh, next reader like? This one was a special one for me. And again, character, so important. It's called Eileen by Otessa Moshfeg. It was shortlisted for the Man Booker Prize last year, 2016, and it's a debut novel. Holy moly. Uh, I'll start by saying I'm ashamed to admit I didn't start loving this book when I started reading it. It took a few chapters before I got the rhythm and the tone and then I just flipped into this is five stars and I'm not even halfway. I was hooked and I loved it, partly because the book is so incredibly well written but mostly because of Eileen, the title character. Oh, my. Oh, my. What a dark, (laughs) complex, sarcastic, disturbed, insecure young woman with the most wicked sense of humour. So Eileen is the narrator of this book and she's looking back on her youth. So she is in the present looking back and she's telling us, the reader, the story of one fateful event that changed her life on the day she disappeared. And this is repeated throughout the book. And you don't get to the fateful event until the end. So the whole book, you're waiting for something to happen. Mm. And when I started reading it, I wasn't that interested in what that was. I mean, I was interested in what it was, but it just kept being repeated. I thought, oh, God, we're never going to get there. <laughs> but then then something flipped and I was just, I couldn't imagine what what this event could possibly be. So set in the days leading up to Christmas in the early 1960s, Eileen is a young woman. She's her alcoholic father's caretaker by night and a secretary in a boy's prison by day. And then she stalks a hot prison guard in her spare time. As you do. Well, she works with him. She likes him. (laughs) She tempers her dreary days with perverse fantasies and dreams of escaping to this big city. So when the bright and beautiful Rebecca St. John sort of walks in on clouds, movie star-esque red lipstick, everything goes almost from black and white to colour in the book. She's a new employee at the present. Eileen is enchanted and unable to resist being pulled into her orbit. This ultimately brings us to the reason that Eileen disappears, but boy, oh boy, do we have to go through a few things to get to that May event. Every single word on the page is worth it. Um, Eileen is one of the best female characters I have read in a really long time Mm. in a work of fiction. She is an underdog, she makes questionable choices, and she is just fascinating to spend time with. She surprised me, she made me laugh so many times, she shocked me, 
and she made me like her despite everything. (laughs) She sounds brilliant. She is truly remarkable and so complex and real in a work of fiction really that's that can be hard to do Mm. lots of characters are often one-dimensional because it's just easier that way but to really have one central character that repulses you and attracts you at exactly the same time who you feel sorry for but also who you want to change and who you want to stay exactly the same just oh really that was Eileen by Odessa Moshfeg I would just encourage you to read it Do you think Clem Ford will ever um, do an audiobook of Fight Like a Girl? I think that would be really, really wonderful to listen to. I can't think of anyone else who could read that audiobook. No, it needs to be heard, doesn't it? Yes, let's hope so. Let's hope so indeed. Well, (laughs) that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we discussed on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and on the Read page. We'd also love you to tell us what you've been reading or ask us for a bookish recommendation. Tweet us at Library at M-E-L-B-L-A-B-R-A-R-Y with the hashtag Dear Reader or join the conversation on our Goodreads page. Don't forget you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Melbourne Library Service. And if you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes. It does help others find out about the show and gives us the nice warm fuzzies. The groovy music on our program is by Ben Mason. Check out more of his music at www.benmason.com.au. And until next time, dear reader, thanks for listening.